What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, Slab Stocks' weekly NBA update podcast. I'm your host, Sam. Uh, this past week, we saw a huge increase in prices for Damian Lillard. Uh, for so long, he's been one of these extremely underrated players on the card market. And finally, that ship has been righted, it appears. You know, it was not impossible to know that he was undervalued. I think everyone who pays attention to the NBA and the card market understood that and was saying it for years. But what is impossible is to know when an increase like his is going to take place. You know, he has been balling out for years now, and we'd never seen an explosion like this. And all of a sudden, finally, this happens, and it comes on the back of a historic couple of weeks that you just cannot predict. You know, there are many people who were sitting on his cards hoping for something like this. And, you know, honestly, good for them. That wasn't everyone. You cannot be kicking yourself if you missed out because there's just no way to predict when one of these things will ever take place. You know, there are guys like Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker, Carl Towns, you know, guys that are just kind of undervalued, especially when you compare it to their actual on-court production, and you never really know if they're ever going to reach their actual value. So you can hold undervalued guys and, and just pray that something changes in the future, but you're never really going to be able to predict when those historic streaks will happen and will change their perception on the card market. Now, considering this and the things that we can't really predict, I want to look at some players today where I think we can sort of predict what will happen. I'm going to focus on mostly cost-effective players who can be invested in by just about anyone due to their low prices. But if we look ahead and we see what type of momentum their current situations and the media will give them, I think we can predict where we're going to find some good value. Uh, I want to start with the big news in the NBA that came out last night, news which I actually woke up to this morning. That was the biggest trade personnel-wise in 20 years. Uh, the full breakdown of the trade goes like this. The Rockets received Robert Covington and Jordan Bell from the Wolves. They also got a early second-round pick. The Atlanta Hawks received Clint Capella and Nene. The Timberwolves snagged Malik Beasley, Wancho Hernan Gomez, the villain Evan Turner, Jared Vanderbilt, and Brooklyn's lottery-protected first-rounder. And the Nuggets got a bunch of guys that really just won't play much. Gerald Green, who I think they've already released, Akita Bates, Diop, Shabazz Napier, Noah Vonley, and Houston's first-rounder. So how does this affect us, particularly when it comes to investing? I think the big, well, maybe not the big, but the biggest part of the deal for investors is actually Malik Beasley to the Timberwolves. Now, Beasley is a fourth-year guard out of Florida State. He's set to be a restricted free agent this summer. He is not known for his defense by any means. He's undersized for his position, a six-foot-four shooting guard. He's not a point guard, not very much of a facilitator at all. You know, looking at last year's stats where he saw his highest minutes per game, he had his and he, has, and he had his best season. Per 36 minutes, he only averaged 3.8 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and 1.1 steals, which is fine. But he's just not adding a whole bunch of extra things to the table, and he's not going to be doing any of those things in Minnesota. But what he will do is score, and he scores in bunches. He's a very exciting offensive player. Looking at last year again, he shot 402 from deep on 7.8 attempts per 36 minutes. He scored 17.6 points per 36 minutes in the process dynamic offensively, shoots well from deep, and will score when he's given the minutes. Now, being from western Wisconsin myself, I know Minnesotans, I know Timberwolves fans, and I do believe that Malik Beasley will be a popular player in Minnesota, especially if the Wolves re-sign him this summer. 
I would not be at all surprised if he suddenly morphs into a fan favorite in Minnesota. He's going to get more minutes than he's ever seen in Denver. He should immediately start seeing 30 minutes a night, and we'll see where it goes from there. If he averages in the upper teens to low 20s, this is going to be an exciting move for Timberwolves fans. So for a short window of time here, I would be buying Malik Beasley. Now, he was not featured in the 2016-17 Prism base set. All he got that year from Prism was a few jersey cards and also a rookie signature card. He was featured in Prism Select that year, and he does have optic rookies. So perhaps you could snag an optic hollow or something along those lines or a Prism rookie signature. There really doesn't appear to be much on eBay at the moment, um, but I would expect that to change in the next week or so after he's after this trade finally goes through and he starts playing for the Timberwolves. Uh, if you can buy something, or if you already have a few of his rookies lying around, I think you're in a good place for some moderate returns. You can buy a Optic Hollow right now for between 5 and 8 bucks, which is pretty cheap. Uh, hopefully the Wolves do resign him this summer, and then I think we can really start to see a bit of growth heading into next year. Another aspect of this trade, which... Uh, should be interesting for investors, uh, not necessarily in a, in a cheap way, but should be interesting anyways, is the Hawks portion of the deal. Hawks acquired the 25-year-old center Clint Capella, got him for relatively cheap, to be honest. He's an athletic rim roller, very efficient from the field, great rim protector, great rebounder, and this is a good move for the Hawks to be making. Now, this does mean that John Collins will be seeing all of his minutes at the four from now on, which really could affect some of his block numbers and perhaps his reading, rebounding numbers and probably his efficiency as well. The fit between John Collins and Clint Capella is maybe a bit concerning at the moment, but I think it's going to turn out just fine. This should be really good for Trey Young, who now... Uh, has a, a really good pick-and-roll partner in Clint Capella. And I think this is going to make the Hawks quite a bit better. And we talked about it last week that we really want to see Trey Young lead a winning basketball team before we can really feel super great about him. And you know, if you're wondering what I'm talking about there, go look, listen to my episode from last week for a full breakdown of my thoughts. Um, but this move, bringing Clint Capella in, does inch them a bit closer to playoff contention. Not this year, obviously, but next year it should. Clint Capella, John Collins, Trey Young, that's a good foundation of a winning team. Now, one player that this probably does hurt a bit is Cam Reddish, only because I think he's going to be losing some minutes now that John Collins is primarily playing the four. When Collins was slotted in at center, which happened fairly often, Reddish was able to pass as a small ball four, but those minutes are now gone, and he's going to be hurt a little bit because of that. Uh, he already wasn't a very good investment to begin with, uh, but really shouldn't be all that appealing right now. He is a low-cost investment, but I don't think we're ever going to see very much return for him. Another winner on this whole trade. Again, not really on the cheap side of things, like I said at the outset. Um, but he is another winner in this trade, and that's Michael Porter Jr. We've already talked about him ad nauseum to this point, but there, you know, there really wasn't a way for him to get super regular minutes in a super crowded rotation for the Nuggets. Uh, he has been regularly playing in the low to mid-20s over the past couple of weeks, although some of that has been aided by injuries around the roster. But with the trade of Malik Beasley, this should actually be freeing up some extra minutes for Porter. Now, Beasley had been you know, having a tough time as well seeing regular minutes, but when he did play, he was getting around 20 minutes per game. Shabazz Napier is coming back in the trade, but I don't think Shabazz is going to be stepping into those minutes. You know, Maybe 12 or so per game. But this should mean a few extra minutes for Michael Porter Jr. 
And we all know what he can do when he's given the minutes. So this is a good thing for us. His Prism Silver uh, PSA 10 rookie cards are going for around $200 at the moment. Base PSA 10s in the mid-40s on average, which are both down about 20% over the past couple of weeks. So this is still a really good long-term investment. And I believe with some of the added playing time here coming up, there's actually some short-term value too if you want to buy them and then flip come playoff time. Now that's really everything on the trade that is of note, at least as far as uh, investors are concerned. Some other storylines to look at. Um, coming out of this, coming into this trade deadline here tomorrow, you might have seen a lot of news about the New York Knicks lately. Especially yesterday, we saw the news that the Knicks are moving on from their president of basketball operations, Steve Mills. And that's a very good thing. Uh, he's known to be a prominent voice in the ear of Jim Dolan, who is the worst owner in the NBA. And for so long, the problem with the Knicks has been the dysfunction of the front office, primarily with an owner that is more obsessed with his music group than he is with his team. The Knicks have been all sorts of terrible and dysfunctional all year long, and they've been out to prove all over again that they are the dumbest team in the NBA this summer. They made a, a number of these short-term free agent signings, signing these veteran forwards and centers, the idea being that they could flip them at the deadline. And this is the type of thing that works in video games, but it just doesn't often work in the real NBA because these are actual people with actual feelings and motivation or lack of motivation depending on the situation. And all of these guys knew that they had no investment on the Knicks team. They were simply mercenaries getting another paycheck and they knew they were going to be going somewhere else soon. So after the Knicks loaded up with a bunch of veterans that really didn't want to be there, they started to play these guys major minutes to show up to quote unquote showcase them as if every other team in the league hasn't seen Bobby Portis play before. And on top of that, over the past couple of weeks, the Knicks have been continuing to prove just how dumb they are by saying they have no intention of trading Marcus Morris. Marcus Morris, who was the one guy that actually has worked out in a surprisingly, you know, really good way for the Knicks. But because they only make the dumbest possible decisions, the Knicks announced that they plan to actually re-sign the 30-year-old Marcus Morris and build around him long-term. Thank goodness Steve Mills is gone because apparently none of that's happening anymore. The word is that now they do, in fact, want to trade most of these guys, including Marcus Morris. And on top of that, they're going to be trying to go after Masai Ujiri of the Toronto Raptors. I don't know if that part is going to happen or not, but anything should be an improvement over what they've been doing so far. Now, how does that affect us now? Just thinking ahead a few weeks, I'm trying to imagine the storylines that are coming out of New York, and I believe they'll finally start revolving around some of their good young players. You know, one of those young guys is Mitchell Robinson, who is one of the premier shot blockers and rim defenders in the league. To this point, they've only given this 21-year-old 22 minutes a game. They need to be playing him. He should be a big part of their future. He came into the season with a ton of hype, but in addition to their terrible front office, they also employed David Fisdale to start the year, who has donkey brains and was one of the worst coaches in the league, and was not playing him, and all of that hype just kind of fizzled out. Now, if you can imagine together with me, tomorrow, hopefully the Knicks start freeing themselves of some of these big vets and maybe even cutting some of these guys, and these guys that could care less about developing the Knicks team or building a winner. And then in a week or two, I think we start seeing quotes out of New York about, oh, we're going to unleash Mitchell Robinson. Uh, you should have done that all this time. But hey, the nice thing is when that inevitably happens, or I believe inevitably happens, the hype will start to soar around to where it was at the beginning. 
He's going to put up some of these eye-popping block totals, and I think there's a good amount of value for him moving forward. His PSA 10 Prism Silver Rookie cards have been going for around $50 uh, lately, which is affordable. And I think we really start to see a nice increase heading into next season. If he can get the minutes right now, it would not be any sort of shock to see these cards double in price by the end of the season or the beginning of next season. Another good, relatively cheap investment out of New York that should benefit from all these things would be R.J. Barrett. Uh, he's also been affected by the presence of all these veteran numbskulls on the team, just like Mitchell Robinson has. Uh, he has gotten playing time, and he has not been that great. But, you know, just like we talked about a few weeks ago with Darius Garland, some guys step into situations that are so bad and so toxic, you can't really expect a whole ton, of, a whole ton from them immediately. Garland's been better of late, and I expect that to continue through the trade deadline for the Cavs. And I really do think RJ will improve as the team starts to actually build around him and after they start trading off some of these guys. He's going to be coming back from injury supposedly this week. He's missed nine straight games, but he should be healthy upon return. And I think with a better culture, he's a good buy-low buy low candidate as well. His ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards have been going for around $40. And I think that's a pretty good opportunity to invest. And we should start to see some graded prisms hitting the market soon. So with you know, the in, influx of, of graded cards, I think there's a pretty decent buying opportunity coming up. I have not given up on them yet. And I think we should all have a small investment in RJ Barrett because the payoff could be nice. Speaking of coming back from injury, another low, relatively... Uh, cheap investment is Kevin Porter Jr., who is finally back to action. He's played five games since coming back from injury and is immediately playing in the mid-20-minute uh, mid range, and he's been playing well. In his last four games, he's averaged 16.3 uh, points, two rebounds, two assists, and a steal, and he's shooting lights out, really, from everywhere. Now, you know my thoughts on Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, and I don't know if they both have a long-term future with the team because there's some positional overlap between them and might be kind of hard to have them as your two lead guards. I imagine they move on from one of them, and I think they're more inclined to move on from Sexton. He does score a bit, and he's been scoring a lot recently, and he's actually learned how to pass a little bit. I'm still not entirely sold because we have almost a year and we have a year and a half of material on him already. Maybe that's just me. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. I hope he does. Um, but while... Kevin Porter hasn't exactly been a revelation. He has been a nice surprise. And right now, ever since he's come back, he's taking Chetty Osman's minutes away. And it appears that the Cavaliers really want to see what they have in this guy. And that means he's worth keeping an eye on. I don't know that I'd label him as a buy exactly, although his ungraded silvers are going for $20 at the moment, which is still pretty cheap. But he's really kind of a wait and see right now. I think he's an interesting, cheap investment, and if the Cavs start selling off guys, you know, all of these young players really get that much more interesting. And, you know, hey, Garland, Sexton, Kevin Porter, maybe they're all pretty good, cheap investments right now, just because who knows what the Cavs are going to be doing at the deadline. If they start unloading guys, maybe we'll start to see a little bit more buzz around these young players. Uh, the next player I want to talk about is my boy, Dante DiVincenzo of the Milwaukee Bucks. And there are a number of guys around the league that I really like a lot that I'm not sure the market will ever like as much. You know, back when I played grade school, high school basketball, I was never a super great offensive player myself, but I tried to bring it on the defensive end. 
And kind of just because of that, there are a number of guys that I really like. Guys like Michael Bridges, guys like DeAnthony Melton, guys like Dante DiVincenzo. You know, guys that have unlimited energy on the defensive end that really change games, but they don't always necessarily show up in the box score and they can sometimes be overlooked. I think their teams value them much more than NBA fans do in general. But just thinking of the upcoming months and the storylines that we might be seeing, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some buzz picking up around DiVincenzo in particular. The Bucks are obviously going to make the playoffs. They are a lock to make it pretty deep in the playoffs. And DiVincenzo is just one of those guys that is all over the place when you're watching Bucks games. Every single game, announcers are just falling over themselves, laughing at how athletic and energetic he is and some of the really spectacular plays that he's able to make. And that's going to be even more prominent in the playoffs. So considering that he should be hitting the national stage this playoffs for the first time, since he was injured last playoffs, I think a nice, modest increase is in store for him. You know, also, he's almost certainly going to step into the starting role next season next to Eric Bledsoe, and if that is the case, we should see another nice little bump. So maybe not the most exciting investment, but if you're looking for someone a bit cheaper that should have good things coming, I'd look into Dante DiVincenzo. Ungraded silvers are going for under $10 at the moment, and I expect a nice modest return on that over the year. Easy player to stockpile. Uh, Last player I want to talk about here, one last quick thought. I'm thinking it's time to start investing in Matisse Thibel again. You know, you remember back at Summer League this year, he came in with all of this hype, and there was just no way that he was going to get the minutes necessary to keep up with all that hype. His ungraded Prism Silver rookie cards have dropped about 50% since November, and he's still not afforded super regular minute totals, but over the past 10 games, he's sitting at nearly 27 minutes per night, and the Sixers love what they see. He's already among the very best defenders in all of basketball, and he can shoot the three when he's needed. The Sixers have apparently told everyone that he's absolutely off limits in every trade, and they would like to make a trade, just not with him. So obviously, that means they consider him an important part of their future. And for the $12 that his ungraded silvers are going for right now, I think this is a pretty safe, small investment to make. All right, that's all I have the time for. Thanks for listening.